Again, I want to thank you all for being here today. It's never lost on me the uniqueness of the audience and the uniqueness of the crowd and a gathering that's never happened like this before. These are actually some pretty exciting times around here. We are right in the middle of 21 days of prayer. Uh, freedom groups have kicked off this past week. We have over 40, over 40 folks from this community that are uh, journeying through freedom. And probably in the last few years, we've had well over 200 that have gone through freedom. And freedom is such a core value for us. Salvation and freedom are not the same. And so we want you to have salvation. We want you connected to Jesus, but also this journey of freedom. So that's exciting as well. From our what we're calling Job Fair Sunday a few weeks ago, had over 70 people sign up for interest in a, in a serving position on Sunday. Those are all wonderful, wonderful metrics. There are stories of spiritual engagement and real-time life change, like moments of intersection with spirit that are happening. So all of that is, all of that is wonderful. And I'm glad you're a part of it. And again, I'm glad you're here. Uh, 21, 21 days of prayer. We are just finished our first week. So today would be day eight as we continue through 21 days of prayer. What's happening on the weekdays is that uh, 7 a.m. the church is open and we are live streaming with a church, really hundreds of churches all over the country, live streaming, but it's coming out of Birmingham, Alabama, Church of the Highlands, who uh, really authored the freedom curriculum that we use. And uh, that's where Emma did a, a gap year of college last year. And uh, we were just down there for a leadership conference. So we have many uh, arms of connection with that particular community. And Melinda and Deli and I, the stage that you see, we were in that building just a couple of weeks ago, connected with that. So it's a live stream, 6 a.m. for them, but 7 a.m., somebody say, thank God for that, right? 7 a.m. for us. Yeah, it's tough for the folks mountain time, right? You're getting up at five. But we, and by the way, you're able to stream it later throughout the day. The app is called Prayer First, or I think Pray, Pray First. Pray First app. You can look it up. You'll be able to stream it through the day. And we hope that you can be a part of that, really. Even if you haven't been participating in it the last few days, please join us. This is a join anytime kind of thing. And uh, several days last week, I had to actually leave because I had an eight o'clock meeting. So I left at like 10 of, quarter till, and I just punched it in on my phone and continued praying in my truck on the way to the meeting. So you can participate in that. It's probably going to be, I don't know, a little better maybe if we're together here in the room. You might enjoy that and find that the connections are very, very meaningful. That's why we do it, but you can do that any place. But we are right in the first third of 21 days, hitting that second week, invite you to be a part of it. Probably what you're feeling today is a little bit of the spillover of prayer happening in this church every single day, every single day. It's such a diverse group of folks that are coming in, a wonderful mixed group of people throughout the whole week. So thank you for, for participating in that. 21, such an interesting number, 21 days. I was thinking about 21. I was thinking about the number. Blackjack is all about 21. Why? Like, why is that? I don't know. The face card and the, the ace, the, the jack and the ace, the king and the ace, the queen and the ace, 21. Interesting. That's the number they pick. Basketball. We're out on some court pickup game. Hey, man, you play a little 21? 
Why? Why is it 21? I don't get it. What is special about that? No one ever said, hey, you want to play a little 17? <laughs> people just don't do that, right? It's 21. You want to play a game of 21? You want to pick up a game of 21? And then, of course, the age of adulthood. That's random. 21 is the age of adulthood? Why not 22 or 23? I mean, that would make sense. Like, if you're going to college or you're doing something like that, you know, 22, 23. My kids love when I remind them that your prefrontal cortex is not fully mature until 25. They don't, in fact, like when I remind them of that. <laughs> 25 years old, adolescence, I hope this doesn't depress anyone, adolescence goes until actually you're 25 years old. Well, car rental companies have figured that out, right? They're not renting a car to you until you're 25. 21 days of prayer. 21. Somehow it's like evolutionarily significant in our life, like these 21 things, 21 here, 21 there, 21 days of prayer, 21 days in a row. And I was thinking about that. I'm inviting you. I'm stepping into a space myself of praying 21 days in a row. But I'm thinking, I pray every day. I, I, I pray every day. I've probably strung together hundreds of days of prayer in a row. Possibly even thousands of days of prayer in a row. Right? So this isn't like nobody prays at all. We never pray. And now let's do something fun. Let's all pray together. Right? We're praying all the time. The vast majority of folks in this room have prayed last week. The vast majority of folks in this room prayed more days than you didn't pray. And many of us prayed every single day. We've strung together hundreds, if not thousands, of days of prayer. But there are special times. In Joel chapter 1, verse 14, the King James Version, it lets us know that there is a special time. There are moments when we come together. Sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord, your God, and cry unto the Lord. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Call a sacred assembly. Gather people together. There are moments we pray every day, and then there are moments when we're called to pray differently, to pray together around purpose. I think we're in that right now. I think we're eight days in to a timing moment for our congregation, for our community. Many of you know 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people called by my name. How many times has the name of Jesus been spoken in this room today? How many times have we sung the name of Jesus? How many times have we breathed the name of Jesus, spoken the name of Jesus, called to Jesus repeatedly, repetitively, all over this room? How many times in this past week has the name of Jesus been called out? We are his people, people called by his name. But when we humble ourselves, and pray. I wonder if there's an order to that. 
humbling ourselves and praying and seeking his face and turning. You see, we pray every day. We pray different ways. When you go to the Pray First app, you're going to see a, a prayer of the tabernacle. You're going to see the Lord's prayer. You're going to see spiritual warfare type prayers. I showed it to my son the other day, and I said, buddy, this particular prayer right here is what saved your dad. When I had a conversion 32 years ago and married Melinda just a few weeks later and then deployed to Europe, I was frankly scared to death. I thought, I'm going overseas for three and a half months, and I don't know how I'm going to return. I know how I want to return, but frankly, I didn't have the best track record ever, and I wasn't sure how I was going to return. And I was driving down a road in Newport News, Virginia. It's where the base was. We were in Newport News and, and Norfolk. And I, I was listening to a Christian radio something, and the guy talked about a tabernacle prayer where you enter the gate, and by the way, that's with thanksgiving, and then you enter the court, and that's with praise, and then you go to the altar, and you lay it out for the Lord, and then you go to the water, which is the word of God, and you're washed by the water and the laver, and then you go into the holy place, and there's the incense and the candlestick and the church and the light of the world, and things you pray for, and I needed that because I didn't have any habits of prayer. I loved God deeply, had committed my life to God deeply, but I was lacking in the disciplines category. I was lacking in the, the habit formation category. <laughs> and so many times I would be on the exterior, midship bridge wing of a guided missile destroyer, and I'm sitting under an exhaust fan, a big vent, an exhaust vent, and I'm sitting there looking out over a flat and placid Mediterranean sea walking myself through the tabernacle. And I'd get distracted, and I'd look somewhere else or think, and then I'd go back to the laver. Oh, that's where I was. I was at the laver. Oh, I was at the golden candlestick. Oh, I was in this place and that place. It grounded me. It helped me. There is a prayer of humility. Hear what I'm saying to you. There is a prayer that seeks his face, a prayer of turning, a prayer of repentance, a, a humble turning, there's a moment that we're called into a special space, and you're in it right now. We're sitting in it right now. Probably the most famous 21 days is Daniel. Daniel prayed 21 days, and something amazing happened. And I wondered, was there a prescribed end date to that? Because, because 21 days has become the template. This morning, I wanted to add a graphic to our TV out front just as a, a kind reminder that we're in 21 days of prayer. So I ran in there and did 21 days of prayer. Now, I didn't search this, and maybe I should have. But when I hit 21 days of prayer and I hit images, a lot of things came up. Maybe later, you could do it too. Maybe I'll Google search 18 days of prayer and see what comes up. <laughs> 22 days of prayer. And see what comes up. They might just redirect me and say, well, that was clearly a typo. You meant 21. Or this old brother doesn't know how it's done. We're going to lead him to 21. Right? I don't think we're going to find many graphics that say 17 days of prayer. 
And so I wonder about that when I think about this most famous example in the entirety of the Scripture, the Hebrew Scriptures, the New Testament Scriptures, the entirety of it all. 21 has become the template. But I wanted to dive in a little bit this morning and just look at the story. Here's the story. Here's the story. I'm going to read out of the message. If you don't have a message Bible, you can find it on your phone probably, or it'll be on the screens behind you. Darius, the son of Asheris, born a Mede. Darius, the Mede, became king over the land of Babylon. Now, this is in the book. You can see the book of Daniel. So in the first year of his reign, in the first year of Darius' reign, I, Daniel, was meditating on the scripture that gave according to the word of God to the prophet Jeremiah. So he's literally looking at the, the writings of Jeremiah. The number of years that Jerusalem had to lie in ruins, namely 70. So he's doing, Daniel's doing what we do. Daniel's checking out the scripture. He's looking, reading. He's reading from the prophet Jeremiah. He's reading, kind of researching, thinking through. And he reads the words to the prophet Jeremiah and what's being said. And that there's a captivity, Jerusalem lying in ruins for 70 years. I turned to the master God asking for an answer, praying earnestly, fasting from meals, wearing rough, penitential burlap, kneeling in the ashes. These are all symbols of humility. And I poured out my heart, bearing my soul to God, my God. Now, the next several verses, quite a few actually, 20 or so, are the prayer itself. I want us to drop down to verse 20. So in verse 20, Daniel 9, verse 20, while I was pouring out my heart, bearing my sins and the sins of my people Israel, praying my life out before my God. Does anybody know what that feels like? You're just pouring it out. You are emptying it out. You are praying your life out before your God, interceding for the holy mountain of my God. While I was absorbed in this prayer, the human-like Gabriel, the human-like Gabriel. Gabriel was one of the angels. Anybody know the most famous story with Gabriel? Mary. He goes to Mary. He, he is the one that announces to Mary, hey, here's the deal, talks with her about the birth of Jesus. The human-like Gabriel, the one I'd seen in an earlier vision, approached me, flying in like a bird about the time of evening worship. He stood before me. He said, Daniel, I've come to make things plain to you. Now, everybody dial in on this, okay? You had no sooner started your prayer when the answer was given. Who would like to grab a hold of that one? This angel, Gabriel, comes to Daniel, and he says, you had no sooner started your prayer when the answer was given, and now I'm here to deliver the answer to you. You are much loved. So listen carefully to the answer, the plain meaning of what is revealed. Isn't that beautiful? Now, we started in verse 9. Remember? Darius the Mede, in his first year of reigning, He's reading Jeremiah. Daniel is reading Jeremiah. And from the reading of Scripture, something is prompted in him, and he begins to pray. And his prayer is written out. And then while praying, this angel shows up to him in bodily form, human-like form. This angel shows up to him and says, you had no sooner started your prayer than the answer was given. Who needs to hear that? 
The God that we serve is not a respecter of persons. It's an issue of posture. It's an issue of posture. It's an issue of, will I humble myself? Penitential. Maybe we need some burlap, whatever that means for us. Maybe we need to kneel in ashes, whatever that means to us. But symbolically in their culture, that was humbling. That was intentionally putting ourselves in a place where we are emptying and we are humble because we know the great need that we have. Oh God, oh God, I need you. This church rang with those words a few minutes ago. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. We've already stepped into this beautiful space of humility. When our wonderful prayer teams are all around the church and you make your way out into the aisle and you walk around, sometimes in front of people, but you walk around, you walk up front and move to them and pray with them. That has an aspect of humility. That requires some humility to do that. It requires humility. It, they could be in the back. It requires humility to step out and go and say, I need help. But that's not anything to be ashamed of. And you know what I'm grateful for in this church? And I am thankful for it. When people walk down an aisle and go up to someone to pray, do you know what does not happen? Melinda, did you see that Fred has gone up for prayer? What has Fred been doing? That doesn't happen here. You know what does happen here? Praise God. Fred's going up for prayer. I don't even know what it's for, but bless him, Jesus. Bless him. Pour it out on him. Because Fred may be praying for Fred. Bless him. Fred may be praying for Karen. Bless him. He may be praying for Jeremy and his family. Bless him. He may be praying for a buddy at work. Bless him. He may be praying for you or me. Bless him. That's what we do. We celebrate prayer. We celebrate these moments. Actions. We sing four songs, and three of them are dedicated to praying moments. Praying moments, celebrating the humility to move in to those spaces. From the moment you had no sooner started your prayer than the answer was given. And then I just have to say this, I love it. He said, now I'm here to deliver the answer to you. And you know, instead of an answer, you know what he said? You are much loved. Oh, that's good. That's good right there. I got something to tell you from the word of the Lord. And you're like, bring it to me. What's the answer? And the word of the Lord to you is, you are much loved. You are much loved. You are much loved. Oh, I'll get to the answer in a minute, but I need to just preface with this. You are much loved. You're not forgotten. I am a friend of God. That's a message that you need to hear. You are much loved. Oh, yeah, there's an answer coming. I heard your prayer. Let me just tell you what's most important. You are much loved. Oh, I pray that soaks into all of us. And we realize from the moment I speak it, he hears it. 
After chapter 9 is chapter 10. Let's read from there. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, a message was made plain to Daniel, whose Babylonian name was Belteshazzar. The message was true. It dealt with a big war, and he understood the message, the understanding coming by revelation. Here it is. This is what Daniel is saying. It's, in, it's not, uh, well, it's in quotes there too, okay. During those days, I, Daniel, went into mourning over Jerusalem for three weeks. I ate only plain and simple food, no seasoning or meat or wine. I neither bathed nor shaved until the three weeks were up. So we're going to start a no-shower policy this week. <laughs> Woo! Okay. There's your three-week thing. There's your 21 days. He says, I went into mourning over Jerusalem for 21 days, and I ate only plain and simple food, no seasoning or meat or wine. I didn't bathe, I didn't shave until the three weeks or the 21 days were up. And on the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. I looked up, and to my surprise, saw a man dressed in linen with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body was hard and glistening, as if sculpted from a precious stone. His face radiant, his eyes bright and penetrating like torch. His arms and feet glistening like polished bronze, and his voice, deep, resonant, sounded like a huge choir of voices. And I, Daniel, was the only one to see this. The men who were with me, although they didn't see it, were overcome with fear and ran off and hid, fearing the worst, left alone after the appearance, abandoned by my friends. I went weak in the knees, the blood drained from my face, and I heard his voice. And at the sound of it, I fainted. I fell flat on the ground, face in the dirt. A hand touched me, pulled me to my hands and knees. Daniel, he said, man of quality. Listen carefully to my message and get up on your feet. Stand at attention. I've been sent to bring you news. And when he'd said this, I stood up, but I was still shaken. Relax, Daniel, he continues. Don't be afraid. Let's dial into this again. From the moment, everybody say those words with me. From the moment, from the very moment that you decided to humble yourself. There it is. From the very moment you decided to humble yourself to receive understanding, your prayer was heard and I set out to come to you. From the very moment that you humbled yourself, That moment, right then, in that moment, your prayer was heard, and I left the house, crossed the porch, down the driveway, and I'm headed your way with this answer from the moment. That's what I'm talking to you about today. From the moment. From the very moment. Now, everybody ready to go Star Trek you here? You ready? Everybody ready to, here we go. But I was waylaid by the angel prince of the kingdom of Persia and was delayed for a good three weeks. But then Michael, one of the chief priests, chief angel princes, intervened to help me. And I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I'm here to help you understand what will eventually happen to your people. And this vision has to do with what's ahead. Isn't that amazing? He humbles himself to pray. 
He humbles himself to pray. And in the very moment that he humbles himself, the answer is on its way. The answer is moving toward him. God hears, God answers, and here it comes. Now, in this particular story, we get a little detail about I was on my way, but there was this prince of Persia. Now, that's a, that's a demonic prince. That's a, that's a cultural prince. It's a spiritual, a spiritual thing happening. Right? Cyrus was the king of Persia, and the prince of Persia was in place trying to control and trying to block and trying to hinder. This isn't just personality stuff going on. This isn't just cultural preference going on. This isn't just how we do it in America or how we do it in the Midwest. Like this prince of a region withstood him. King James says, I was withstood by the prince of Persia. And I, I, the messenger, it doesn't say Gabriel, we don't know. But the messenger has to call Michael, the archangel. We know of three angels in the scripture by name, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. We don't know the name of that angel that was all chiseled. We don't know the name, it doesn't say. But Michael was called to help. And almost like, I'm going to take care of this, and like, boom, 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 that whole thing. And then he like takes off, takes off, delivers the message. And if you read further, he says, and I got to go back and I'm going to help out a little bit more. We need to have an awareness and an understanding of things happening in the heavenlies. An understanding that right now, it's all spiritual right now. There are things we can do, interventions, connections, support, family, all of it. All of it in order, all of it good. And there are things spiritual that are happening. Now, when I read these two stories, and I have read them in the past, I kind of thought they were the same story. I kind of thought that Daniel 9, where he says, you know, the moment you, you began to pray, I came to you, and this is Gabriel, it says it, we read it. I thought that was a story, and then I thought chapter 10 was Daniel, like, having coffee with somebody and, like, retelling the story. That's not the case. In the very beginning of both chapters, chapter 9, we talked about Darius the Mede. And in chapter 10, we talk about Cyrus, king of Persia. Those are two different people. In fact, there is, there's actually, it's kind of interesting, there's no historic reference to Darius the Mede. In the Babylonian history, the Babylonian history of, of Nebuchadnezzar and, and uh, Belshazzar and those kind of names that are in the scripture, there's no, there's no reference whatsoever historically to this guy, Darius the Mede. However, the scripture tells us specifically, Daniel says Darius was 62 years old when he took over. Darius is the guy in the story of Daniel in the lion's den. How many of you know Daniel in the lion? That story, right? The king comes and looks over and says, Daniel, is your God the God? And he's like, I'm good, man. We're good here. That's Darius. Darius the Mede, very specifically written in the scripture, an age, a time, an interaction. It said Gabriel. But then, and this is a different empire, Cyrus shows up in the third year. And he has this 
21-day moment, which is so similar. It's so similar. These appear to actually be different situations. And in fact, he references in that when he's talking about Gabriel, he says that same Gabriel that I had the previous vision of. Anybody wondering about Daniel being a spiritual dude? Like Daniel lived a spiritual walk in an ungodly place, in a culture that was not friendly to it all. And he had this spiritual walk. He has a moment where as soon as he prays, there's an answer. And then he has a moment where he humbles himself and the answer is headed that way and it takes 21 days. You know what both those conversations have in common? When you humble yourself to pray, the answer is on the way. 21 days is not a magic formula. I would like to present that if it took 24 days or 37 days or 16 days, we'd be having 16 days of prayer. Whatever it is, right? This just so happened that Daniel hung in there. A prayer of humility, a prayer of surrender, a prayer of submission. Do you know, you know what submission is? God has a mission. I have a mission, and I now have a sub-mission. God has a mission. I have a mission. Like we're co-pilots. <laughs> like we're, we're tracking together. Hey, if you give me a little hand here, it'd be much appreciated. I don't need you all day, but if you could just throw something this way for right now. No? Submission is sub-mission. His mission takes precedent. His purposes. And I humble myself to do that. You see, prayer isn't the secret sauce. Prayer isn't the secret sauce. We're going to pray. I mean, people tell me that. I mean, the conflicts that I'm having with Melinda right now are unbelievable. And I am praying. I'm praying every day, all day long. And nothing is changing. And people ask me what I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, change that woman. That's what I'm praying. People tell me I am praying night and day. And you know what I ask them? I get it. What are you praying? What's your posture? It's not just praying. It's not just praying. It's the moment you humbled yourself. The moment you took a posture of submission. The moment you surrender. The moment we empty out. Prayer isn't the secret sauce. 21 days isn't the secret ingredient. Daniel 10 verse 12 tells us it is the moment you humble yourself. Arnett, come on up, buddy. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we come to this place where we humble ourselves for the sake of spiritual activity? Spiritual release. Because what we get out of this story is that there's a God power and there's another power. And as bizarre as it may seem, that other power can hold its own. It wasn't just had a prayer rolled right through him like a hot knife through butter. wasn't a problem. 
Hey, ultimately, it's not a problem. But our enemy is formidable. There's dominion and power that they have. Strength. It requires days like today. It requires weeks like the three weeks that we're in. But it's not about the three weeks. It's not even about the praying. It's about the posture. It is about what that praying does around me. The humility, here's what it is. It's the humility that moves me to pray. And it's the humility that comes from the praying. Right? There is a humility. I am broken and I need prayer. And I am humility humble and I go to prayer. And then while I'm praying, anybody experience that? While you're praying, the presence of the Lord comes to you and you feel and you sense it. And there's such a humility that you have. But it's not shame. It's not shame. Broken without shame. Broken without weight. You can start playing right We acknowledge him. We acknowledge what's going on. I hope I busted out a ceiling for somebody today. I hope, I hope this story where you realize, hey, there's a couple spiritual things going on I wasn't aware of. Yeah, you don't have to be freaked out by it. The angel wasn't freaked out by it. He said he got in the way. We're, we're, we're tackling that, brother. We're going to get through here. The message got delivered. Right? This isn't a story of the demonic spirit won and we didn't get our message. The answer got delivered. The understanding and the wisdom was delivered. There's, this isn't about fear. It's about understanding and awareness. The awareness of my posture that opens those doors for that answer to come. The very moment we humble ourselves. What is that prayer you're carrying? What is that thing you're carrying? What is that, what is that bondage that needs released? What is that deliverance? What is the power of revelation that needs to hit your life because you need it, you want it, you know it, it's there, you're reaching for it. It's the very moment, the very moment. Not a respecter of persons. The answer is on its way. How do we do this? First of all, I have to just recognize my this is what came to me, the words that came to me, my suffocating need. That's it, <laughs> my suffocating need. Like I have so much need. I have so much need, it is just suffocating. The recognition of how much I need God. The problem that we think is so overwhelming, it's that I need you. Oh, God, oh, God, I need you now. The overwhelming nature of just the truth of my life that lets me see how much I need him. That's the first thing. Secondly, my awareness and embracing of his love. What was said in that verse? I just need to tell you something. You are much loved. You're kidding me. I have this, what I'm calling a suffocating need. I am drowning here. We sang a song. I don't have anything to offer you except a hallelujah. Like I don't have, we have sung this, we have sung this sermon all morning. 
I don't have a thing to offer you. Nothing, I don't have anything. But in my suffocating need, I'm not rejected. I'm not gonna give it a try later. He says, I love you. Let's start with that. Let's start with, I love you. I love you. Let's start with that. I love you. You are loved by me. I love you. So first of all, I recognize where I am, and that's the humility of it all. And then I just acknowledge his, his love and his saving power. His saving power. His ability to end around that spiritual block, to end around those things that are chains and bondage and shackles, those things that I need deliverance from. It could be a, a deliverance I need in my body. It could be a deliverance I need in my mind, a, a deliverance I need in my soul. But he's able. I'm not able. When you have problems, do you know what we do when you really, really, really have a problem? Do you know what I tell our team? Here's how I coach our team. When you're providing support for someone, the more traumatic it is, the fewer words you say. The more traumatic the issue, the fewer words you say. Just show up. Just be there. Because we try to fix it and we can't fix it. We can't do it. We can't do it. He can. I can't heal you. He can. You can't heal me. He can. You can't wipe the shame from my mind and heart, but he can. You can't take depression and pull it out of me and redeem it, but he can. He's the one that has a saving power. And we acknowledge it's such a dichotomy that we acknowledge our brokenness and we feel his love and deliverance all at the same time. It's amazing. It's here for you today from the very moment. So we pray and we fully embrace that disparity. We fully embrace the fact that I'm here and he's here. Like how is this gonna happen? It's when you're on one side of the gym at the, at the high school dance and the other person's on the other side of the gym, you're like, how am I ever gonna meet them? We don't hang out in the same friend group, we don't have the same classes. They're not going to look my way. They're not going to look twice at me. How am I ever going to bridge that disparity? Socioeconomically, we don't live in the same kind of house. Our parents aren't the same. We don't live on the same side of town. We happen to go to the same school, and that's it. They're so much smarter or better, whatever. How are we ever... But do you know, can I remind us, that before we loved him, he loved us. Before we loved him, he loved us. Christ demonstrated. Christ demonstrated his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Push through the darkness to take us at our broken place. And then we make this decision to live in the land of surrender. We're gonna live in the land of surrender. Today, this afternoon, throughout the week. And listen, if you're not so good at that, we figured out something for you. It'll be happening tomorrow at seven. 
It'll be happening tomorrow morning at 7. You're welcome to be here. You can look at it on your phone. You can take it with you. You can replay it through the day. It's living in the land of surrender. Open. But not empty. Empty of self. But it's in the very moment that he comes to us. So this morning, what I hope for is that there's an acceptance in this room, an acceptance. We started with an awareness, but now I hope there's an acceptance of all that's going on behind the scenes. All the spiritual activity that's happening. When we're praying from a humble heart, the Lord is answering these prayers. He's answering. It's on its way. And yes, we're sitting on day 17 and 18 and 19 and 20 and 21, and then all of a sudden somebody shows up in the room. There's nothing magic about the number of days. There is something pretty amazing about the moment of humility and the moment of submission. Arnett's going to lead us in a song we're going to sing together. The song hit me yesterday. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Who here can be honest to say, yeah, I know I'm praying, but it's kind of a toss up as to whether or not he's working. That's our normal reaction. That's our normal stuff but let's lift our eyes. Let's let the word of God give us hope. Let's let the word of God give us faith today. Sing that Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're Come on, working. let your faith rise up. Come on. Never stop. Never let your faith stop rise up. Working. For deliverance. For hope stop, for salvation like we're praying we're humble he's working he's working he's working he's working on me he's working on our church we're talking we're How many uh, need some understanding this morning? I mean, I could raise my hand. Uh, I need some understanding. It's pretty clear we need to humble ourselves. And there's a tattoo on my arm that says, For the Glory. I got this tattoo in 2012. That's when I had a revelation of actually this. Here's that revelation. Your life is not about you. It's not. Your life is not about you. It's about him. And then it's about others, and then you, if you get there. If you're sitting here living your life and worrying about everything that's going on in your life, your eyes are not focused on the glory of God. That's just reality. We all have stuff. Everybody has stuff. We all have stress. We all have, it's all coming for us because the enemy of our soul, that's his job. 
So if you need some understanding this morning, then our eyes need to go up immediately. And the, the tattoo on my arm says, for the glory. The T is a cross. It's, I, that is my literal reminder for the glory of God for my life. Because when I'm focused on myself, there's no glory of God. It's for the glory of Josh. And that is hypocritical if you've read the Bible. I know life is hard for us, it's, but it's hard for us, all of us. That's why we're here together. And that's why I believe it's important to pray together. It really is. And that 7 a.m. tomorrow morning is a sacrifice for many. But make it. We're not being nailed to a cross tomorrow morning. We're just getting up early. We maybe sacrifice a little time at work, a little time with kids, a little time with whatever, sleep, <laughs> and just come and hang out together and be in the glory of God together. Amen? And if you can't make it, get on the app. And if you can't get on the app, just pray. Just do that. So God, everybody stand together, please. God, I would ask you to remind us the minute we walk out this door that our life is not about us. It's about you. Give us the courage to actually walk that way. Give us the understanding as we humble ourselves of how big and mighty and awesome you are and how much you love us. We just want to trust you in that, God. We want to trust that you have everything we need. When we don't see it, you're working. And I just feel the Holy Spirit say, if you're bold enough to make that prayer, if you're bold enough to be completely dependent, watch out, because he's going to bring some things to you. So God, as we go, I ask for unity in this place. I ask for us to meet new people hang out with people we wouldn't cross the gym and say hello. We go in your name, God, for you, Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful day. Pray all week. Amen. Amen.